we go. Welcome to another episode of the Doctors and Dollars podcast, where we discuss health insights and wealth secrets. I'm your host, Nate Cranel, joined today by Dr. Syed Ubas Musavi. Dr. Musavi is board certified in physical medicine and rehabilitation, working as a primary provider at Macomb Pain Management in the Detroit Metro. His special interests include the management of spine, musculoskeletal, bone, joint pain, and sports injuries. Injury, excuse me. Dr. Musavi also specializes in neurological disorder pain and the rehabilitation of such disorders. Aside from his time at Macomb, he is also a lecturer, a VES examiner, and an orthobiologics specialist. Welcome to the show, Dr. Musavi. Thanks for having me, Nate. Appreciate it. What is going well today? A busy day, a nice end to a busy day, which uh, I appreciate. Um, and uh, and you know, I, it's always nice to have that good ending. So, yeah, uh, uh, define a busy day for me. Is is it uh, ten patients? Is it thirty patients? How how many people are you um, seeing on a busy today, day? Today, uh, lectured at Henry Ford College. Came over, nice. uh, did uh, a couple of VES veteran examinations, which I enjoy doing, mm -hmm. um, and uh, did some injections, did some EMGs, did some evals, did some uh, orthobiologic evals. So I had a very, very diverse mixed day today. I saw patients from uh, two or three and maybe up to four uh four or five different service lines that we have in our office. So, so that's, and lectured and sitting with you now. So, and lectured, <laughs> man, uh, a diverse day, which is perfect. Cause I want yeah. today's theme of our conversation, uh, to be diversification. Yeah. Uh, many people know about port portfolio diversification or stock diversification. That's what I used to do in a past life. Uh, but one thing I know about you is that you strive for income diversification, creating several revenue streams, having different arms, you know, different uh, hands in different cookie jars, right? So that when there are lulls or, or downtimes in one specialty, you know, there may be, uh, you know, other streams of income that are amplified because of the reason right. for that lull. And so talk to me about why that is so important to you, uh, why that is something where you, you, you probably focused on one specialty to start your career sure. and how you have, have diversified over your career uh, to create so many revenue streams. Um, so yeah, so exactly what I did in 2010 when I started practicing it was primarily interventional pain. So I did that 100% of the time exclusively. I did some EMG, some nerve testing, etc. as a part of uh, our specialty our background. And as the years went on, I uh, started, you know, understanding and realizing there's more to, uh, you know, my specialty and my skill set, uh, you know, and, and not just focus on interventional pain. And so probably in the last two years, um, I've been really diversifying my own patient uh, referral uh, source and stream, um, as well as the services we render and offer through our offices. And I, and I do that. Yes, it's, it's, it's nice to have, you know, kind of, you know, not putting your eggs in one basket type of approach. But I think mm -hmm. the, the biggest thing for me is I find that when I diversify and I have been diversifying, it's definitely stability uh, from a financial point of view, because obviously, you know, we have overhead, we have different ways we have to pay for our daily um, our daily expenses but uh, it, it also increases interest in the practice uh, you know when, when uh, other physician referring physicians other providers other clinics other organizations see what we're doing I, I find that they're intrigued by it and and they almost have more interest in what we 
how, what we have to offer. And it's been sure. like that for the last couple of years. And as I mentioned today, I mean, uh, you know, within the same day, I did my orthobiologics consults and new ones. I did my veteran examinations or evaluations, we call them. I did EMGs, nerve testing. I did a few uh, epidurals, injections. I did some traditional pain evaluations, new patients. So it's a nice, diverse group of, of patients. And everyone has a slightly different treatment plan. So, you, you know, you have to kind of wear multiple hats as you see the patients. But uh, but I, I think it's a really nice way to spend the day. Um, you know, yes, there are some days where we do more than uh, more of one type of service than others. Uh, but in the in the end, it's, I think it's it's m- uh, much more beneficial from a practice owner slash practice, you know, um, growth perspective that that we uh, offer diverse lines, not just in patient care, but outside of that, you know, um, uh, different services that we can offer that, you know, that uh, that can be helpful to a patient because it's convenient. It's kind of everything under one roof. But then, you know, it would have been income that we would have just sent out to, uh, you know, some other sure. organization that we can keep um, and, you know, service the patient and they're happy. And, you know, and we we have some level of revenue that helps maintain that service. So, yeah, there's uh, a, a lot there. That was really good. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I think of is, you know, if you didn't offer those different lines or have those different offerings, uh, you would be sourcing those out. You would be referring those to others as potential lost revenue, you know, for you guys. Correct. Is there, do you feel like having those multiple lines or those multiple offerings, does that keep you on your toes and, and allows you to, <laughs> to work at a more, uh, at a more heightened state? Or do you feel like uh, that you're opening yourself up to more chances for uh, overwhelming uh, and, and putting too much workload on, on you and, and, uh, everyone in your practice. So uh, very good questions. Uh, and we've had actually a couple of conversations with my office manager specifically about this just today. So yep. for me personally, uh, you know, our job, there's a lot of monotony in our job, right? Repetitive, you know, even when I do my epidurals, when I do, so it's it's nice to be able to have a different type of patient, every third or fourth patient. That's not mm-hmm. your traditional pain. That's not your tra- traditional orthobiologic. That's not your traditional veteran. That's, you know, an auto. I also do auto workman's comp too. I didn't see any today, but I do yeah. that as well. So that's another diverse kind of a diversifying service line. From a from an internal structure perspective, it's 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 a very um, it has to be a calculated, well thought out plan. And so in our organization, we have uh, you know everyone knows how to do pretty much everything. Meaning, if I get a referral from a veterans office or veteran, everyone knows where that patient fits into the formula for my day. Or, but the, but there's one person that handles that direct communication. You know, when I do my orthobiologics, again, everyone knows, okay, orthobiologics are scheduled like this, et cetera, et cetera. But there's one person that handles the administrative aspect of the orthobiologics. So every service line that we have, there's one go-to person in our office that is the primary person that keeps in touch for scheduling, for referrals, for intake. But everyone knows how to do it. And this is where my manager and I were just conversing today is because um, uh, she joined our practice a few weeks ago and I've known her for a decade, but, you know, so, so, and she knows kind of how I work. And, um, and so we had that conversation about, okay, so we don't want to overwhelm the staff, but at the same time, we don't want to lose that service line or that, you know, efficiency of offering that service line or that different type of, uh, patient, uh, patient type of patient that comes into the practice. So as much as it's, it's important for us to offer it, 
I think it's equally, if not more important internally to be able to manage it. And, and we're, we're doing a pretty decent job. I mean, I think we've, we've, we have a reasonable infrastructure in the organization. Absolutely. You know, more staff is always nice, but you know, more staff costs more money. And, you know, mm -hmm. at some point justification for that can happen, but for now we're running at a pretty decent capacity. But yeah, so that, that's the answer to that question is yes, it can get complicated, but I think if it's done right, um, and, you know, we have separate meetings for separate service lines, you know, different meetings for different things. We don't, mm -hmm. I don't sit down and, you know, we don't have our, you know, staff meetings and we talk about 20 different things because that'll just, sure, sure. instead we talk about, okay, guys, this is what we're going to do. This is our, you know, our orthobiologics meeting. And this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about our veterans, our traditional pain, our, you know, our auto, our workman's comp, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. so that, that's typically how we handle it is that we have to really internally organize ourselves. That's a really good way. I mean, you you have a quote unquote a scheduler or some type of uh, yeah. organization assistant in each line, but then you have what I would call like an an administrative manager that kind of oversees all and and makes sure that you know scheduling doesn't conflict. You're not doing too much right. or sending you to one side of the town and all of a sudden you got to turn around and be back on the other side of town, you know, ten minutes yeah. later uh, right. because of poor scheduling. So I think that's really good. And and just to clarify, I mean, everything's under that PM and R umbrella right so it's not like you're Correct. out doing neurosurgery or uh yeah. lymphatic something you know all these different things it's all still within pmnr what drove you to do pmr i mean there's there's a thousand different directions you can go when you get to go to medical school what drove <laughs> you to pain management so, and rehabilitation so I, I can tell you originally i had a very strong interest in radiology i mean that's what i i mean i just this is what i wanted from 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 the day i knew i wanted to become a physician that's what i i said this is what i'm going to do you want to go As to school I, longer than everyone. Right, exactly. <laughs> As I got into medical school, you know, you get exposed to different things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I went through a number of uh, rotations and, and exposure to different um, different specialties. And I came across PM&R, pain management, interventional pain, etc. Mm -hmm. And uh, it didn't take me long to, you know, I did about three, I think almost three rotations in radiology. And I loved it. But then I did one rotation in this part, this PM&R, where I did still have to interpret because we do interpret our studies we look at extra guided um uh, you know extra guidance for our injections so there is some level of you know radiologic interpretation involved yeah. there not to the degree of a radiologist of course and uh, i just took a liking to it and i i didn't think i would but i completely shifted gears and that was about uh in near the uh, third end of third fourth year of medical school and and that's what brought me to pm and r i mean i I enjoy the physical um, element to function, improvement, um, diagnosis, treatment, but then the diversity that you have, right? I mean, because of PM&R, I'm able to do EMGs. I'm able to do interventional pain. I'm able to do, you know, um, even, even some of these uh, veterans I see, I, I evaluate for traumatic brain evaluation and, and injury. They, they, it's almost mm -hmm. like an independent medical exam. But I do that for vets and, and I do TBI and that's within my scope of practice too. And, you know, uh, orthobiologics obviously is because, you know, we inject into joints and spine and we have to understand the anatomy and so on. So, so I, I don't think I could have got the same type of diverse opportunities in doing radiology. Not that I, I saw this, you know, in the future as me being where I'm at today, but, but when I think in retrospect, I'm really happy I went into this, into this field and I wouldn't change it for the world. For sure. And when, when you get into PM&R, there, there's kind of maybe you're when you had a practice or you're working for a hospital, maybe there was just that that singular focus on one specific area. When yeah. do you think within your career, when was that turning point when you're like, man, I, I do need to create more streams. I do need to have more offerings within my business line 
to be able to to not you know outsource that to another person who then captures that revenue from the patient at what you know was that year two in your career was that just recently when when did that come about like they the first five to six years of my career i basically worked as a staff physician mm -hmm. so in that organization I actually brought many service lines. I brought ideas, different things we can offer for our patients. And and I think that's where my interest stemmed. The re and the reason why that happened is when I joined the practice, I mean, there's a couple of ways a practice is run. You know, you can, you can stay within your four walls and you just manage it and you work and you see the patients, they come to you, et cetera. Or you can stay within your four walls two days a week and the remaining three days a week, you can go and explore. You can work at other organizations, build relationships. So I was the one physician in that practice that primarily was the go-getter in that I didn't mind doing that. If, you know, if we wanted to build a relationship with another, um, you know, pain doctor or PM&R that didn't do interventional pain, they would board the interventional pain procedures for me and I would go do them at his or her office, you know, that okay. kind of, so, yeah. so that exposed me to what was out there. I think if I didn't do that, I wouldn't understand the diversity that we have available as options. And so for the first uh, six years or so, I did that in the, and then after that, from 17 up until last year, early last year, um, I, I was a consultant. So essentially, I went to different offices. I did, uh, you know, I, I was as a specialist, I did mm -hmm. treatments, interventional treatments, pain treatments, EMGs, nerve testing. And then when I was there, you know, all the doctors and the other staff would be like, hey, Dr. Musavi, do you do this? I said, yes, I do everything that you're asking me to do, but your organization only wants me to do this. And the patients would come to me and say, no, I want Dr. Mazavi to do this, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, we build relationships. So then last year, when we decided to kind of take the, the plunge and say, you know what, I'm, I'm happy with consulting. It does well financially, um, but there's not much stability without your own brick and mortar. And that's kind of where what stimulated me early last year to say, you know what, I'm going to use my connections. I'm going to build my own practice and not just build my own practice and organization. I'm going to build and diversify and use all these service lines where people have been asking me to help them with you know can you do this for me can you do that and, you know I, 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 it was a physician that reached out to me for example to do va evaluations because um, they didn't have anyone servicing the michigan area at least the greater detroit area and i'm the only one that does that for that organization and so on mm. so when we when i had the opportunity i just I, I took it i mean and that was from day one and not only that, from a scaling point of view, I scaled from day one. Uh, you know, we have offices in Ipsy, Ypsilanti. We have offices in Grand Rapids. I see patients. You know, we, we do some work out in Clinton Township, and then Shelby is our main office. And um, and I did that from day one when the opportunities came. And again, they came because you know someone called me and said, "Dr. Musavi, we need someone to do some evaluations in Ypsilanti for regenerative and for auto." And I said, "You know what? I can go out there one day every other week. I you know I can manage that, and we sublease space and and so on." So the diversification element of it, I understood from day one from my practice because I was exposed to it. But I think I was able to direct and do it and actually implement it um, early 2022. Um, and uh, so, you know, my practice, you know, our, our actual practice, we're taking you know, about a year, a year and a half, maybe a little less than a year and a half. Um, we officially probably were like a July, uh, July 2022. And and we've been growing pretty heavily since. And, uh, you know, we have we have another provider, Dr. Michael Bonnet, that works with us. Uh, great guy, very good clinician um, and you know, U of M uh, board certified, um, mm -hmm. trained, et cetera, et cetera. And um, and so, you know, and so right now I manage the diversification 
um, mm-hmm. and he manages the traditional pain. But you know, at some point, as we get more providers, as he gets busier and I get busier, we're gonna we're gonna kind of tag team this and get some more providers on board. But yeah, no, the vision has always been there for me. It's just I needed the platform, and um, you know, and yeah, that's yeah. how no, I. That was like, yeah, that was a great answer. Thanks for sharing that. It it sounds like it just to summarize everything you said. It sounds like it came from a uh, a mindset of prosperity, right? Where sure. you 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 were you know, being pulled in different directions because uh, other physicians were like, hey, I need you over here and I need you over here. And you're like, yeah, I'm willing to do that. But now it sounds like it's kind of flipped to where you're going out and you're finding those people and, and maintaining your network so that there's prosperity. There's not a, right. a there's not that scarcity mindset of like, oh, my gosh, I have to I have to keep everyone in, you know, within my four walls uh, yeah. with Macomb. Otherwise, I'm losing it all. But being able to offer those different lines, I think, is is fantastic. And and we had talked offline and and something that I, I always preach that, you know, 50% of something is better than 0% of nothing, right? Yeah. You, you got to be able to go out and uh, not necessarily spread the wealth. That's not I, you yeah. know, based on doctors and dollars, that's where my mind goes. Yeah. But uh, it, it truly is, I can do it. But do, do I want to sacrifice my time and do all of this one thing? Or could I have somebody else do it? And the same yes. thing, there might be another clinic that is really good at this one thing. And but they would love to bring in Dr. Masavi for at least one day a week, you know, to take some of that load off. And, 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 I, and I still do that. I, as, mm-hmm. in, in addition to doing my, uh, my, you know, managing and growing our practice, I still do some consulting at a couple of organizations and it's a great opportunity for us to, to get involved in that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think it's, I think it's, um, you know, if you, if you don't take advantage of the opportunities um, and you know, they're just going to pass you by. Right. At the end of the day, they're just going to pass you by. And, you know, you don't have to to let go, uh, I think. Um, and and I, I would be uh, missing a major point here if I don't mention this. But when COVID hit, COVID was a big eye opener for us also. Um, mm-hmm. You know, surgery centers, hospitals, procedure suites, physician offices, patients, everything just kind of went for a die. And I didn't work truly work for about six months. So that was another mm-hmm. big eye opener that without your kind of your own um you know, patient base, it's a challenge to maintain some type of, you know, income or revenue stream. So that was another big stimulus. stimulus. But, you know, that was 2020, you know, my push was around 2022. So I did, I did still kind of play at the field a little bit for two years, but, but, uh, you know, I'm, uh, but, I, but I still maintain that, those relationships. For sure. All right. I want to, I'm, I'm going to uh, put you on the spot here. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm gonna have you run down the list of all the lines that you do. Like, if you were to look at your week and look at your calendar, let's say it's color coded. It might be yeah. a color code my calendar, but right. you look at it all is. the different lines and all the different specialties that you do. I want you to run down the list, and not necessarily to toot your own horn because I know you're yeah. amazing at each one that you do. But uh, there could I mean, be somebody who listens. That, yeah, there's probably somebody that's going to listen to this that is just doing one thing, yeah. and they've had that thought of like, what other things could I do within my specialty, like yours is PM&R. Maybe there is radiology. There's there's a radi- radiology practice out there that they're doing one thing. You know, Maybe they're just uh, breast cancer, but there's so many other things that they could be doing. I want you to run down the list just to talk about how you manage your week and all the things that you have going on. Of course. So, I, you know, obviously the, the base and foundation is PM&R. So fun- functional medicine, sports medicine, sports injuries, 
Um, and then we do our interventional traditional pain um, and more advanced interventional pain. Again, you know, I took the time to learn some of these advanced procedures. So I, I focus on that. And, I, and, you know, I have even this week, I have a few advanced interventional pain procedures that I do. Uh, orthobiologics is heavy. I love it. I think it's amazing. I see I see the outcomes. Um, you know, we work with an organization called Regenex that is awesome. They're really good to work with. And we really enjoy um, that that affiliation and a partnership. Um, I do my VA evaluations. Um, again, it's a great service to offer. Um, we see a lot of benefit to our, uh, to those patients, you know, cause they're in need of, of that kind of care. And it's, it's nice to be able to advocate for them and to be able to support what they're, what they're coming to us for and, and do my evaluations. I do independent medical evaluations also, which is awesome also, you know, and again, you know, I, 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 again, I do it for a service because I know patients need certain things and I can help and, or, you know, other um, you know, healthcare organizations need some type of help to help clarify these. So I do independent medical examinations. Um, we, uh, we do our own in-house pharmacy. I don't do any opiates, just traditional uh, medications that we do, anti-inflammatories, muscle relaxers, et cetera. And again, it's, it's something that we would have just outsourced, but you know, when I, in coordination with doing our auto, which I, which I do as well as a service line, as well as our workman's comp. So personal injury workman's comp, it's a service line that we can offer that we can utilize within our scope of practice, but we have that as a partnership, as affiliation. So we don't manage it. We just, prescribe we write it out but there's someone on the back end that does the billing that's outside of our organization and we share that so it's that kind of the adage you mentioned you know having some of a percentage of something and and not 100 of it and but because when you take the 100 you're also taking on 100 of the responsibility but equally mm -hmm. they take on the responsibility so it kind of is a nice relationship we also do what's called a remote therapeutic monitoring which is a home monitoring system for our patients Anyone that's on opiates or medications, they're followed through the month that we ask them or a nurse asks them how they're doing, how the medications are working, et cetera. And they monitor, are they overusing, underusing? Again, this is a billable service. Medicare approved it a, a number of months ago and we offer it. Uh, but is it something that we could have offered ourselves? Absolutely. But that would have taken our own nurse, our own staff, our own biller. Instead, we have a partnership with that. So there's an outside company that manages our patients for us and we have a management service agreement with them etc so so there's you know and and so there's probably those are a lot of our core um core service lines obviously from a diagnostic point of view i do emg so we get a lot of referrals for emgs from outside providers um mm -hmm. neurosurgeons foot doctors um you know other pain doctors that don't do emgs they refer these patients to us to do emgs or nerve conduction studies um and uh yeah i think that covers for now, the general service line that we offer, it, you know, if my staff is here, they probably lose their minds right now because, they, you know, it's funny because when we talk about it, it's so overwhelming, but it's doable. I mean, it's it's doable, but this is what we, this is, you know, so my day, my week, all of what I just kind of run through, I can, I literally can do all those in one week, different days, different times. But again, wearing multiple hats, and and I enjoy it. It's 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 variety. It's it's different. Every patient is different. Every patient has a different need, you know. And you know, I did an orthobiologist consult right before I came on with you, and he was like, "Listen, doc, I don't want pain meds. I just need help. My shoulders hurting. I need stem cell treatments, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. So you know, and so every patient is different, you know. And then you have some of the chronically ill patients who we have to manage a little different. But yeah, so I mean, this is. I mean, I'm, and I'm honestly, I'm probably missing one or two. Oh, DME. We do, we do our own DME for personal workman's comp. Again, we could outsource it, 
But, you know, if we have the capacity to service the patient, fit the patient for the brace and bill for that service <coughs> rendered, then why can't we do that? I mean, there are certain things that we outsource for sure. Some DME that I don't keep in house, canes, walkers, wheelchairs. We don't do that because that's outside of my scope of you know, practice or at least specialty. Mm -hmm. I can prescribe it, but I don't necessarily manage it, but I outsource those things. So, you know, we it's a it's, it's a combination of, of, of utilizing some of the outsourcing methods, but trying to keep a service line and, you know, going. And I have a couple more in, in my head that I'm looking at entertaining. And how do I evaluate? Because this may come up. How do I evaluate if a service line is worth going into? I talk to other physicians who are doing it. Simple. Mm -hmm. I ask them their experience. How's it going? How's the billing? How's the partnership? If they if they have a partnership or, or a management service agreement, how's that going? Does it make sense to financially? Does it make sense to staffing wise, et cetera? And nine times out of 10, I'll get enough information that I can make a decision of, do we want to do this? Or is it something that, you know, I can support my colleague and send it to him or her, and I won't take it on as a service line in my office for my patient. So for sure, man, uh, a ton of stuff. I mean, variety is the spice of life, as they say. Right. So I, I, I think that's, that's, that's really awesome. One thing that stood out to me, and it kind of goes there yeah. into your last point where it's like, you are evaluating if a new service line makes sense financially, yeah. uh, time management, all these different, yeah. you know, factors that come into that. One thing that stood out to me is you had mentioned you in-house from a pharmaceutical standpoint, you just have traditional pain medicine. However, you also have another line where you do opiate monitoring. So there's, Correct. you know, patients have been described in opiate. You provide a service of monitoring that. Was there kind of, just because those are two conflicting things. I mean, we could go talk for an hour about the opioid crisis and everything that went into that. Right. And, um, but what was that analysis like as you're you're adding in that, hey, we're, we are only going to provide traditional pain medicine um, to our patients here but we're also going to have a service where someone else has prescribed an opiate and we will provide the service of monitoring and making sure, you know, within a 30 day time frame. Hey everyone. I wanted to take a moment to talk about what I do outside of being the host of the doctors and dollars podcast. I'm the CFO of grand vision capital group at grand vision. We work with high income earners who make a great living, but still can't quite break through that true wealth ceiling. We utilize strategically chosen investments tailored for high income earners. The question always at the forefront of our minds is why wait for retirement to finally live when you can implement an investment strategy that will impact your life today. To be honest, most of the people we work with never even knew these options existed because their financial planner doesn't have access to these exclusive investments. So if you're ready to finally turn your high income into real wealth, visit our website, www.grandvision.co and hit the take action button in the top right corner to schedule some time with me. Or even better, connect, follow me on any of my social media accounts, shoot me a message. Now, back to the show. They're using that appropriately. What was kind of that dynamic like? What was that uh, evaluation like when you were just deciding to go into those two different mm -hmm. factors? I, I, well, I, I can tell you that the, the, the biggest stimulus behind not doing scheduled medications in our office is uh, from a safety point of view. I mean, there are patients that need even my orthobiologics. When I do my stem cell treatments, PRP, we need to prescribe them something heavy for a couple of days just to keep the pain under control. But that was a choice consciously we made of not keeping those things in our building. We did not mm -hmm. want to do that. So that was the primary premise there. When we prescribe, we refer that patient over to our remote monitoring program. And so there's a mm -hmm. nurse educator that comes in. So we will prescribe, some, I mean, probably 
maybe 20% of my patients have some type of uh, scheduled medication on board. So it's a, it's a, we keep that percentage low and we're probably maintaining that. It's just the patient volume and the referrals that we're getting. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, so the answer to your question is, is I, we chose not to put anything in-house that's opiate related or some type of scheduled medication uh, that can be, uh, you know, safety factors, other factors that are involved in in in, uh, in our office. And uh, but at the same time, we'll prescribe when it's needed, but we want to make sure those patients are monitored. So it kind of worked hand in hand that we don't want to keep it in-house. We don't have a problem prescribing if it's needed, but you know what? If we're going to prescribe, let's prescribe responsibly. Let's you know send out for urine drug screens, for example, and we don't do that in-house. We send all that out. Mm-hmm. There's certain things I don't have an interest in. And or let's monitor them post-prescription, you know, have a nurse follow up with them every two weeks, every three weeks or whatever the case is. So so that's kind of where that came up. So, you know, we de- we're definitely advocates to control pain and we will do it to the best of our capacity. But at the same time, you know, we want to have patient safety as a, as a marker for our decisions, you know. Hey, hey, I totally understand. I mean, the, the first 10 years of my career after college were in yeah. risk mitigation. Yeah, uh, so you probably For a large bank. So yeah, I'm, right. I'm all about reducing risk yeah. uh, and, and leaning out as much as you can just to, yes. to take that off your table. So I totally get that. I think with the theme that we've had so far, as far as uh, income diversification and providing yeah. and offering different lines to all your patients, mm-hmm. that's going to attract a lot of people, mm-hmm. right? And uh, you and I were talking not just in the Detroit area, but mm-hmm. you know, Detroit just in proximity, so close to Canada, specifically Windsor, right, right across the right across the water there. Um, is it because of your offering in those lines, or, or talk to me about the? what I would call the, the, the differences. Um, I'm trying to think of a better word, but the differences in healthcare service that you can offer in, in the Detroit area and the different lines that, that you guys offer versus what is being offered and the service provided uh, on the Canadian side. So a good question. Um, so I can tell you when you compare apples to apples, the services are similar. You, you know, Epidural injections can happen in Ontario, Canada, Windsor, treatments, even to some degree, orthobiologics can happen, you know, but the limiting factor, the limiting factor here is time. So, you know, when you have a patient in pain, when I have an athlete, for example, in in pain, and, you know, they, they need an MRI, for example, to get them in to get an MRI done for a, 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 you know, a pretty established athlete, can still take up to four weeks. And this is directly from the athletic directors I'm hearing, because I talk to them and we converse. Because they're not urgent versus mm-hmm. if I bring them over to Michigan, see them in my office, do the evaluation, I can get the MRI done in most cases the same day. I'll send them out. They do the MRI. I'll come back. We'll evaluate, make a treatment plan, and we'll move on. Patient moves on. Everyone's happy. So it's time, I think. So not so much service line than it is when can you treat the patient. If I get a call from Windsor, Ontario, that's a referral from a colleague of mine in Canada that says, you know, my patient needs an epidural. I can get that patient in within a week, within probably a few days, maybe maybe even same day. Yes, it's a fever service program at that point. They pay out of pocket for it. But to them, it's peace of mind that, yes, I will spend you know X amount of dollars to get myself treated, but I don't have to wait six weeks, three months, six months to get an epidural injection because that's mm-hmm. where we're at right now. And if it's non-urgent, you're looking at, you know, three months, six months, if you're not established with a pain doctor to get just a simple epidural, it's, it's really, really, um, um, uh, you know, difficult for the patients to do this. And then they get started, you know, then they, they're, they're prescribed opiates and they get, you know, 
hooked on opiates and you know because they're still in pain and they have to ma maintain a daily lifestyle and so on and so forth so so the biggest differences i find between canada and the us is time and they're you know they see the difference when they come and evaluate with us and you know some of them come and you know we'll discuss the treatment and we'll tell them the cost of it because you know they most are actually none of them are really insured and then they'll make a determination is the cost you know analysis that they do worth you know the expense of getting it here or would they rather wait in ontario and i can tell you probably 50 percent or more of them come back to us they're like you know what we just found more out, than 50 you know, <laughs> more than 50. we just found out to get that mri you wanted us to get and to pay x amount of dollars to get tomorrow that the earliest i can get it done is six weeks in ontario they're like who should we call and then they call and they get it done or the treatment the same thing like yes Ontario, the government covers the treatment like epidurals, not PRP or orthobiologics, but uh, epidurals, etc. So they're like, you know, same thing, trade off. Do I, can I come and get it with Dr. Musavi tomorrow or should I wait six weeks on my scheduled date? I mean, am I going to be in pain in six weeks? Is it going to get worse in six weeks and so on? So the biggest limiting factor is time, I find. Gotcha. And a great answer. And, that, and I think yeah. that a lot of that comes down to um, it's kind of behind the curtain, right? That the yeah. everyone hears, OK, Canada has free health care. That Man. sounds amazing. And and the healthcare yeah, industry. It does right? sound good. And you, <laughs> yeah, it sounds great. But like the healthcare yeah. industry in, in the United States, it gets pretty expensive. I mean, health insurance and all those things, it, it gets yeah. pretty costly for, yeah. for the average patient. But yeah. we also see that it's very common that a player gets hurt out on the field, has a significant injury, and they're like, all right, well, we'll get an MRI tomorrow just to confirm the injury and set up a plan. You know, us in the United States, we just kind of think, okay, that's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. But you're saying in Canada, because of their yeah. their free healthcare, which is great, that you know, out of pocket, but the service provided may not happen. You know, that player might get hurt on the field on a Tuesday, and they're not mm -hmm. getting an MRI Wednesday. They're getting it in three Tuesdays from now, uh, just sure. to confirm that injury, figure out a treatment plan, and in that time, then they're taking pain medication yeah. because it's so significant. Um, yeah, I guess it kind of opened my eyes a little bit because, you know, you yeah. start thinking about Canada. I thought you were going to go like, well, it's free healthcare, And so everyone kind of loves it. it. So it's it's a it's it's a tough sell. I can tell you from a just from a strictly from a business standpoint to have a patient come from Ontario, do the evaluation with me. I discussed the treatment plan. I discussed the costs of it. And then they kind of look, OK, you know, and on one, on one hand, they're holding up the the plan of action from our end and the other hand they're holding up their ohip card you know the ontario health card <laughs> like you know should i go down this route surgery for example if we're talking about orthobiologics like, i guess i get quite a few orthobiologic referrals um you know do i go down the surgical route um you know or you know which is covered by the insurance and yes i'm going to wait three months to get my surgery done or do i go down orthobiologics which is not surgical um but costs out of pocket and you know so it, it, it's and i and i'm never i never i never um add stress to the situation for any patient i i lay it out for them i give them time to think about it the ones that are interested call us back the ones but you know i i invite them to come and do at least a consultation discuss talk about it um and you know and we don't we don't have significantly high costs for our evaluations like we keep it very reasonable because i want patients to come in the door and really see what we can offer them you know and not get sure. scared off right off the uh, right off the bat like oh my god it's already costing me this much etc because cost factor analysis is huge in, in patient you know unfortunately so but yeah. rightfully so i mean you know everything's especially nowadays with how the economy is and the interest rates etc everything's inflation so they have to think about a lot of things absolutely so one thing we've talked about uh that you've mentioned a lot here uh, is, is orthobiologics 
relatively new term, right, mm -hmm. in the world of healthcare, more commonly known as regenerative medicine. Where do you see the world of orthobiologics in the next 15 years, you know, as you've been able to look back and see, okay, all this innovation that has happened in the last 15 years, what's it going to be like in the next 15 years? I think it's going to be more apparent, uh, prevalent, recognized. Um, I get referrals. I've gotten a couple of referrals from orthopedic surgeons saying that, you know, as this patient's young, um, I don't want to operate even arthroscopically. You know, is there a place to do PRP for this patient or the biologics? And, uh, and, and, I, and I do the evaluation. I invite those opportunities. And if I can't, I'll refer the patient to orthopedic surgeon and say, listen, I can't help you. Your, you know, your degeneration is far gone past the point where orthobiologics, I think, will help, et cetera. So we, can, we catch both. But I think in the next 15 years, um, I think we're going to see a huge growth with it. I don't think we're going to lose sight of some of the traditional treatments we do, the surgical interventions, et cetera. But I think there's it's nice to have a middle ground now where, you know, if an epidural didn't work tr traditionally, I would send the patient to orthopedic surgeon, uh, pardon me, spine surgeon for evaluation, and they have a laminectomy, discectomy. But now, you know, maybe we can try a regenerative route. Maybe we can try some type of orthobiologic route and, you know, and, and see if that could help. And then if it doesn't, we still have the option to go for surgical intervention because what we do orthobiologic wise really doesn't create any problems for the patient it's really a matter of whether it helps or not and that's the beauty of it right uh, but i think there's going to be a lot of growth i think there's going to be a lot more interest patients are coming to me when i see my orthobiologic consultations i can tell you 75 percent of them come in already knowing what they want you know really uh, bone marrow concentrate prp i want it here i want it there you know etc cetera, etc cetera. and they come with a slew of questions and they're educated and um, i think that education that awareness is going to spread so a lot of my talks i do lectures small group sessions journal club etc i do f discuss orthobiologics as a part of it not strictly um, as a part of every single um, um you know sit down but i do for a fair bit because i want um, referring sources i want physical therapists chiropractors whoever i work with other physicians to understand what it is and to see the benefit in it, you know, and, you know, I've had personal benefit of observations within my family, my colleagues, my parents, they've all gone through orthobiologic treatments and they're, you know, they're doing fairly well. Uh, so just my naiveness, what is PRP? Uh, platelet rich plasma. So it's okay. the product that we prepare and um, whether it's through extraction of the vein or whether it's through extraction of the bone marrow concentrate, we still can prepare these platelets. So a solution basically filled with platelets, concentration, high concentration of platelets. Gotcha. Um, the advancement there has got to be, I mean, that probably wasn't something, you know, it, let's say even back in the 90s or early 2000s, that probably wasn't something that was super relevant. The other thing I think of that might not have been was stem cells. Talk yeah. to me a little bit about how stem cells work. I mean, you, you, you say patients come in very educated and they're yeah. doing all this research. Yeah. Not something I've done research on just because yeah. I don't feel like I've needed it. But tell me yeah. a little bit about stem cells and the, the advancements that you see well, there. And again, you know, we're talking about bone marrow, right? Bone marrow concentrate is where we kind of extract some of these mesochymal, some of these, you know, stronger, more potent cells, right? This is where we get it from. And, um, you know, like today I did a consultation. The patient came in and said, Dr. Musabi, I want bone marrow. I want stem cell. I want, so I, I explained to him and believe it or not, we went through the whole consultation. I usually spend about an hour with each patient just to educate them, get their feedback, examine ultrasound, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And at the end we determined that maybe stem cell may not be the best. I think I told him, I think PRP, this, the venous draw, the straightforward traditional treatments that we use 
maybe adequate enough for him. And he was in shock. He's like, you know, but doctor, you know, I really want the stem cell. I said, you can do it. It's totally up to you. You're the one that's paying for the service. But I think there's an adequacy. So, so we make that evaluation, but some patients come in because they read up on it. They know the potency. So if a patient comes to me and mm-hmm. says, doc, this is what I want. If I, if I'm, if it's not contraindicated, I don't have a problem doing it, but I also give them, um, Kind of like the, the the truth or the the you know the understanding of what I think is enough, for them. but but that that's what happens. It happens a lot. They're very educated and you know and and um, and so when it comes to stem cell, there's a lot of awareness. There's a lot of research out there. There's a lot of one you know bone marrow concentrate injection injections BMAC. Mm-hmm. There's many like terms that are coined for that for that type of intervention. Um, and then I think they're going to continue doing more and more uh, uh, research on it. You know. For sure. So on the flip side of that, because what what you do is very uh, reactionary, right? You know, somebody has pain, they've had an injury, you're coming in and and creating a plan there. Um, In an earlier episode, episode four, I had a chiropractor uh, on the show who focuses a lot on mobility, focuses a lot on injury prevention, right? You know, a, a, a chiropractor will uh, so a lot of what you do is reactionary, right? You know, somebody has a sports injury, they have, they've had pain in their shoulder. They finally, you know, as a reaction, they come to you for treatment. Uh, back in episode four, we had a chiropractor who focuses a lot on mobility and injury prevention uh, and talking about some of those things. Where do you see uh, advancements in injury prevention happening? But also, do you see your practice uh, evolving in a, in a way that you're also providing education or or maybe even services that are more focused on injury prevention versus injury reaction. Very important. Um, okay. Injury prevention, rehabilitation, protection. I see. I see a, a decent number of athletes. A lot mm-hmm. of them are football players. Some soccer players. Uh, a couple of runners. So you know they come to me. A lot of them come to me for orthobiologic um, evaluations. But but in addition to 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 the discussing that we also talk about okay so if we're gonna do this how do we prevent it from happening again sure the injury again you know etc cetera, etc cetera. so so awareness i think is just as important i mean i i would feel you know happy and and, and content if i could if i if a patient comes to me I do an evaluation. I deem them not necessarily a good candidate for it, but I educate them and say, hey, listen, if you do A, B, C, or D from a rehabilitation point of view, I think you'll you'll be okay. I think, you know, we'll follow up with you in six weeks and we'll see how you're doing. So definitely pre- uh, prevention, 100%. Awareness is just as important. And post-treatment correction of lifestyle behavior um, you know, especially in the world of orthobiologics, because I'm like the last time, the last thing I want to see you is back to me in six months because you re-injured the same the same area. I mean, I I treat jujitsu fighters who you know have MCL tears, and I got a guy came in who was an LCL tear. We treated it with bone marrow, did amazing. He came in because he we thought his MCL was torn because he injured the other knee. Did an MR, didn't find. Uh, pathology, there's some inflammation. And I said, you know what, let's physio, Let, let's not do orthobiologics. I don't think it's necessary at this point. Let's do some physiotherapy, some strengthening, et cetera, et cetera. Education, awareness, you know, and he's a young guy. And could I have said, hey, you know, we could try the PRP and see what happens? Absolutely. But, but you know, I felt, I, I felt that the advantage for him would be more education and awareness and training and recovery and rehabilitation. So yep. I, I definitely focus on that. And I think there's going to be a huge push towards that. 
Yep. I had to ask you that. Uh, mutual yeah. friend of ours, Dr. John Santa Anna, had hit him on yeah. uh, episode two, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I like and and ask yeah. him the same thing because because of what you do, PM and R, right? Rehabilitation yeah. is, is truly part of what you do. And yeah. uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree with what you just said is that rehabilitation can really also be how do we not, you know, it, it truly can be prevention as well so that the injury yeah. doesn't happen again. And um, sure. what it, you're not you might not know this percentage off the top of your head but what do you think the percentage is of people who re-injure the same joint the same ligaments again because their rehabilitation or their prevention uh they didn't do a very good job with it the percentage is not that high i wish i could give you a specific okay. but I, you know I, I if i see a patient come in for a repeat treatment it's usually often after a number of years one two years three years because the treatment we did help them but i also tell them i said listen you know you you have a disc herniation you have okay whether we do orthobiologics or traditional pain you still have that condition we're not we're fixing the problem to some degree in terms of controlling the pain reducing the inflammation repairing restoring etc but you still have an underlying issue so you know if i do this i don't want you you know going bungee jumping tomorrow right that's it doesn't make sense (laughs) You know, so so even if you feel good, so th- that part of education is huge because you know we see that all the time where I see patients get really you know good, and you know runners for example, and you know they get back in and they're you know they're half mar- marathoners or they're full marathoners, and I do the treatment with like gas rock tear, we do some regenerative treatment on them, they do awesome, and I say listen, you know taper yourself back into it, don't just go off and run a half marathon you're probably going to tear that again, or you may re-injure, strain it, et cetera. So that's a really important education aspect of it. Yes. But we don't, I don't see too many come back with recurrent injuries because I think we focus on that. We send every patient home with kind of a, a spreadsheet of how you, how we want you to recover. We recommend that you recover. No, none of it is, you know, bed bound or, or limited in terms of activities. We want to and encourage functionality, but we still give them a guideline. So we try our best to, treat and educate. And so we, hopefully we don't see them again. It's awesome. Well, for everyone who's listening, that's in the Detroit area, obviously go to paint, uh, Macomb pain management, uh, soon to be Macomb Orthobiologics. I, I think that, that, that term is going to get coined. Uh, it's going to catch yeah. on regenerative medicine is going to be kind of the, Oh, remember back when in the nineties, when we said regenerative medicine, uh, now it's orthobiologics. Right. I think that's awesome. Uh, but it was a pleasure having you on today. I'm, I'm glad you took some time out of your, yeah. as we know, busy day uh, that you had to, to spend it with me. Appreciate it. And just to kind of clarify, so our, our, our primary uh, practice is Macomb Pain Management. And yes, our orthobiologic line is Macomb Orthobiologics. And so You'll have a line. Have, okay. Uh, you know, yeah. And, and different, uh, there's different websites for each one. So MacombPainManagement.com and MacombOrthobiologics.com. So, awesome. You know, check us out. Uh, we'll be happy to at least even entertain the consultations, open discussion. Uh, we, we give each patient a good amount of time to, to come in and talk to us and, you know, answer as many questions as we can. That is great. Well, I appreciate your time. Uh, wishing you the best, Dr. Masavi. Appreciate it. Take care. Have a nice evening. You too. Hey, everyone. As we wrap up today's episode, I want to talk about the second opinion. As most of our listeners are physicians, you guys know the importance of having another medical professional's insight for a patient's treatment plan. But have you ever considered having a second opinion on your financial plan? 
Or have you said hey everyone as we wrap up advisor, today's episode, they've already leveraged every strategy opinion. that your family most needs. Most of our listeners are physicians. 100% you guys on track know the importance of having goals. another medical professional. That's why for my doctors and patients listeners, each Wednesday, have you ever considered having a second opinion on, on your financial provide plan? a free second opinion? Or have you simply trusted your financial advisor during this hour? They've already evaluated every strategy goals that your, your family needs. Will ensure tax mitigation strategies are in place. Your financial goals. And ultimately. Give you that's why for my doctors and listeners, because that each is Wednesday what I block out three time slots, a hour each, marriage, and provide a mind. free second opinion of their These three spots plan. each Wednesday during this hour will reevaluate your Send financial me an email goals at your tax mitigation strategies are in place, and ultimately grandvision.co with your financial outlook slash because that is what drives a happy home, quick form about you, happy marriage, schedule time for us to meet. Thanks for tuning in. Three spots I hope each the rest Wednesday of your week do fill up fast. Cheers. Send me an email at nate at grandvision.co or head over to www.grandvision.co backslash second opinion to fill out a quick form about you and schedule a time for us to meet. Thanks for tuning in. And I hope the rest of your week is abundant. Cheers.